Hi, everybody. I'm Rogers Haley, the host of Rogers That, a podcast dedicated to selling without selling out. And today I have one of my favorite people on planet Earth. Um, I, I learned early on that networking is really, um, I don't even know if it's an art or if it's something that you can ever perfect, but there was always somebody that I would see these events that I'd go to by myself because I didn't want to meet uh, or be with other real estate agents. And I'd go there by myself, and there's always this one guy that was a peacock. And he wasn't just a peacock because he dressed loud or he had a commanding voice. He just had something about him that you wanted to go and be a part of. And so finally, this is probably 13, 14 years ago, um, I followed him out to the valet line and introduced myself and just said, I don't know who you are. I don't know what you do, but I want to be your friend. Uh, expecting to get rejected because that's kind of the way that um, powerful and influential people treat you know, others, but he was welcoming and he said, yeah, let's, let's do it. He said, my man, let's, let's do it. And, uh, and, and Benny Black ever since then has been someone that I consider uh, a great friend. He's family to me. I love him. He is the epitome of a family man. He puts uh, perspective ahead of everything. But today we're going to talk to somebody I consider to be the greatest networker I've ever met, the greatest intentional networker I've ever met who has uh, disrupted the luxury business and cars and sprinter vans and uh, just in branding in general. So uh, Benny Black, thank you for being a guest on the show today. My man, Rogers. My thank man, you for having you. me, brother. Yeah. Yeah. So, so give, give, it, give us some background on, on you and, and kind of what made Benny, Benny. And, and I hope you all can realize that out of all the unique people that I have in my life, I would put you on the Mount Everest of people that just own their brand and have done such an incredible job of staying genuine and epitomizing again the whole art of not being a sellout once you find success so what what made benny benny well my man first of all i gotta thank you again for that because mount everest uh that means I'm not sharing that. I'm, you know, everybody says Mount, say Mount, Rushmore. Mount Rushmore. Yeah, you Damn gave me, you gave me Everest, Sorry, so I'm going to take it. Bro. I, I own. I was like Mount Everest, and I was trying to sound so smart, and you just completely humbled me. So you're on the Mount, you're the Mount Everest of of networking. Um, Dad gummit. You know, yeah, you, you are. You're Mount Everest. My man. Yeah. For a Freudian slip that is that is well deserved. There it is. You know, uh, it, it's funny because when you and I first met, that's what I. It's funny you say you came to me, but I had asked a couple of different people about you because even though I st you stood out as much as I did, I felt like because your height. And then, of course, you know, you were pretty boy model, dude. Uh, so that automatically made people try to put you in a box. It's just that your personality is what made people go, oh, that's not that model pretty boy, dude. Uh, I think that's he's one of a, the biggest. He's a rebel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't say rebel. To me, it I'm was joking. more of a ooh, strong-handed influencer. Mm -hmm. That's what I felt that you were back then. Uh, but I took that and I was like, okay, see, one thing I love about Rogers is he's not scared of showing what he's doing. And what I mean by that, you weren't bragging on it, but you were always reminding people or educating them in what you were doing, which is what I feel gave you an expert in that field. Thanks. The only thing that I was able to take from that is like, okay, so I've got to command and try to do the same thing with mine. And one of the things I realized dealing with luxury, as I used to tell you all the time walking around, especially some of the events we went to, you have to epitomize or dress the way you want people to see you. Uh, in my field, dealing with just luxury clientele, as you were uh, even early on in real estate, you know, you couldn't walk in in your favorite T-shirt back then and expect the guy that's over there in the Armani suit to really take you seriously. Uh, the only way you could do that is you had to know what you were talking about, 
command the room when you come in. And then once you have everybody's attention, make sure you try to keep it. Yeah. And that's where I think some people make the mistake because they really have nothing to say outside of their mouth. But even getting into agreed, but even getting into that headspace, I think that's a really hard thing for most people to ever even come to grips with and much less even actually attempt it. But you all know, let me let me just like I think the first time I saw Benny, no joke, you had a cane, you had a monocle. Oh, stop. And, 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 but I'm dead serious. And I was like, I thought he was you. It was like a you were playing a character. But it's really who you are, yes. right? And I, and I think that that's so important with networking is the law of attraction. Whether the guy in the Armani suit's going to talk to the guy that's dressed up like a peacock, right? And the art of peacocking is if you have bright feathers, people notice you, and then it's up to you to actually, you know, prove your worth. But that's not normal. And I think you know maybe get us inside that headspace to where you could walk into a room that it was at the Crescent where I met you, which is just a very, it's an established. You know, just very regal, black and white place where people normally don't show up in a bright purple suit unless they're at a Halloween. <laughs> but, for, but I'm, I'm saying, but like, what? In, how did in your mind did you carry that without worrying of the anxiety of people making fun of you mm -hmm. or not taking you seriously? Like, what was that preparation like mentally to get there? Uh, actually, and and I I think I've spoken to this about with your group before. Yeah. Uh, By the way, that was a decade ago. <laughs> what a memory. Oof. Anyway, let's get off that decade. Yeah. We're not that old. No. Uh, one of the first things that I always like to do, Rogers, when I go into a room is when you scan the room, you decide if you're going to be the predator or the prey. And I think that's a big thing when you walk into a business event, because if you walk in as a predator and I always like to compare myself as to a lion or an elephant, when you walk into the room, you have to have a regal air. Now, you don't have to come in loud. Uh, you don't even have to come in making a whole bunch of gestures or anything like that. But if you walk in with a, a with an air of I'm supposed to be here, you should be trying to talk to me. Somebody's going to turn and ask, who's that? Yeah. Uh, I always like to run with one other partner uh, who was always good at that. And Jackson, Jackson it is. And one of the things that we all and he's I thought I was good at networking until I actually met him uh, because his whole life has been built around luxury. One of the things that we did that's always good if you're ever out networking and get you a good running partner, but make sure there's no egos involved. And what we did to go together was uh, we played Batman and Robin and basically going to each event that we went to. And back then we we're doing probably two or three in a night. Uh, when you first walk into the room. The first thing you want to see is who gets introduced or who walks up to whoever first, because whoever gets walks up, some says, hey, whoever that name is, that's Batman. You got to just kind of step back, ease back, because he's the first one that got noticed when they walked in that room. So right out automatically, you can guess, well, somebody else is going to know that guy and you keep going. But what we also like to do when we would do it is if he got the first introduction and he does not introduce me. It's not worth me following around or trying to reintroduce myself because back then we were always on a, what we call a paper chase. I'm not into an event just to waste my time and meet people. I'm in there to try to see who else is in there that I can do business with. Mm -hmm. And one thing I like him being Batman, he would always introduce me to certain ones that like, okay, where you went into it thinking he was going to be Batman. Well, we would go in to see who, who he, whoever essentially gets pulled first is Batman. That's Batman. Gotcha. And you and you back off. You play Robin, but you play a good Robin because if he sees, and that's one thing that's good about Jackson having a good running mate. If he sees, you know, this is a better room for Benny if they knew who Benny was, oh, he's going to introduce you. He'll pull you to the front. But if you realize, oh, I just don't feel it in this room, well, you got to be a good Robin. Smile, shake hands, do whatever you need to do behind the Batman. 
once you establish those two roles when you're out there running in the streets, it makes it a whole lot easier uh, to run up that success ladder what we tried to get. Batman. Well, we've had that happen. We've had that happen. <laughs> Seriously? And I oh, yeah. I'll t I tell you. That. And, and that's one of the fun things because now you've commanded the whole room. Because in cases like that, it's happened a lot of times at the Ritz. I'll go ahead and brag on that. Uh, when you've got eight or nine people surrounding and people still keep coming in from the other side just to hear your conversations and your stories, now you're owning the room. Dude, it's like old school. It reminds me of like how Motown bands formed, like they're doo-wopping and they had no go. lead singer. And there then based go. on who was there, you know, it, and maybe that's a bad analogy, but it's just y'all are performing without trying to perform. And then you bring people in, and it's not an, it's not, I don't want to use the word, but it's bait. Right? It is. Uh, and Jackson used, Jackson always used to say that. Uh, one of his biggest things that he would say, remember when you're going out, you're always on stage. Yeah. You're always on stage. And then you reach a point where they want to see you get, like, they want to see you fall off the stage, which exactly. is an encore. Exactly. And I think that's what you've done as well or better than anybody is you've found a way to, your brand is you. Yes, sir. Like Benny Black is a brand. And people in DFW, people in Texas know the name Benny Black. And the follow-up question a lot of times, which is fun for people like Benny, is what does he do? Yes. Right? But then Benny, like he said, he, the word that he has mentioned multiple times is luxury, which I'd love for you to define what luxury is in your mind. Because in real estate, luxury is just a price point. But mm. my guess is for you, luxury is Maybe a lifestyle, maybe it's a, a you know a, a way of living. But how would you describe that word to everybody following us today? That's a great question. Uh, I've always described luxury a little different, and I learned this uh, from the books I've read on the Ritz Carlton uh, and Louis Vuitton. As a matter of fact, what they used to always say in some of their teachings is a luxury brand. The all the classes, all the masses know it, but only the classes can afford it. Uh, so it has a little bit of price point, but like everybody knows Louis, uh, everybody knows Gucci, but not everybody at that time could afford that until they, they started making the knockoffs, I guess you could say. Uh, but yeah, you but never. Everyone can shop at Target. Everybody can stop yeah. at Target, exactly. Yeah. But you never saw advertising strong and heavy on any of those larger brands uh, back on early in the day because you just knew, okay, that's who they were, especially Ferrari. Ferrari is one, and they still do that now. You don't test drive a Ferrari, they tell you it's a Ferrari period uh and that's one of the top you know italian brands but next door right there is lamborghini well you can test drive a lamborghini but you got to be able to afford it and with me what i always saw when i got into the business with luxury is it's definitely a price point but i always had it when i first started it especially in rental rental to me is what started me in the game that understood a luxury point because in my mind what car commands a certain rental intrinsic value that'll make you pay more for it? And a perfect example on that, the Corvette. New Corvette C7, C6, great looking car, American muscle. It's $100,000. Average rental price on that's about $500 a day. Now you can go now, and that's a new Corvette. You can get now six, seven year old Lamborghini worth about 130,000, and it's a coupe, 30, 40,000 miles. I can get you $1,200 or $1,500 a day just because of the rental intrinsic value in the mine. The price point's the same, but I look better if I paid more in this older Lamborghini than in the new Corvette. No way. That's the rental intrinsic value that you can command in rental. Okay, well, now you've introduced us to the fact that you are in the you know the car business, the, the Sprinter business, et cetera. But maybe let's talk about a side story with how you actually disrupted because when I when I first thought of Benny, it was always about a, a, a loud, big, bold brand 
that had to do with exotic motorsports. And yes, obviously, yes. since COVID and life, you've pivoted and you've you've kept your entrepreneurial and uh, business savvy at, at the forefront. But what was that like? Because back then, was anybody doing luxury car rentals, especially daily? And then you saw Dallas had an opportunity where this is on the dawn of you know, $30,000 millionaires mm-hmm. where, you know, people like you, unlike me benefited from people that wanted to pretend like they had money exactly, and they didn't. So you, did you discover this while out and about networking or was it part of your plan from, from the beginning? Great memory. Uh, yeah, I was, I got right on the cusp of the $30,000 millionaire. And at that time I saw it was changing from that time when everybody was doing limos and limousines to where, okay, everybody's made that little check or that tech check or whatever the case is, the bonus. And they're still doing, you know, bottle service, but the valet is where things started changing. Hmm. And what I mean by that valet and patio started popping out and everybody wanted to see, what did you pull up in? You know, what's sitting out front and even the restaurants and the events started promoting it and changing it that way because the nicer the cars you had up front, the better or the higher end crowd you had inside. And before that, Dallas wasn't, I would not have put Dallas on the map of, I don't want to say luxury, but it wasn't a showy city. So exactly. And, and, it, it wasn't. And, and I, maybe that was just, I was naive and, and young, but I feel like overnight it became a, a junior LA. I, I, I tend to agree with you on that. Uh, the biggest thing that I saw with that, and a lot of people don't realize, Dallas is the, and this is just our city. Dallas is the only city that has the top seven, I think now eight top luxury brands in cars in the city. California has all the brands in the state. And what people don't understand, so right now, freestanding dealerships, Ferrari, Lamborghini, Bentley, Rolls Royce, Bugatti, Pagani, Aston, McLaren, Maserati. Those are all standalone dealerships in Dallas. I don't even know that. When and you're six foot six, you just kind of learn to drown out like yeah. <laughs> so, F-150. Exactly. Yeah. So it's that quiet money that Dallas has slowly just accumulated and stacked up to where people don't even realize just how big and how much money is being spent just on cars. But then when the art scene landed, yeah. uh, and then you get the, you know, at that time, uh, North Park started growing bigger. We started getting some of the big brands from New York. That was that good, heavy oil and gas money that was coming through some of the L.A. money as well, coming in, looking at our arts. Out of nowhere. Out of nowhere. I don't know. And so you see that knowing that you have a background and being an entrepreneur and, and, you know, you read people for a living and then you're genuine in response, which gets you, you know, return business. But what was the moment where you're like, okay, uh, I'm going to I'm going to do six year old Ferraris versus brand new Corvettes. How am I going to go leverage the fact that I can be Batman or Robin or, you know, dual Batman what was the play into that and how you made a massive splash? The biggest one would have to be, I want to say that first couple of years after 2010. Uh, of course, it was right after, you know, the big crash in 08, 09. Well, that's when I got accumulated with a lot of cars then because everybody's credit started going bad and everybody was over leveraged on cars. So I was able to manipulate and take over people's car payments on cars. So my fleet, when the little recession happened or the crash went from six to 21 cars oh all on the high end. Just nice. Well, then that very next year we had a NBA all-star. Well, at that time, which was nice, I had already taken care of a couple of celebrities. that were some of the bigger guys coming in leading the all-star team. So when NBA all-star got here, it's one of 09? the big, I think it was 09. Yeah, yes. It was February of 09. February of 09. Remember we also had the big ice storm. Yep. That was huge. Well, 
being an entrepreneur, I, I, I'll say it was, I won't say it was foresight, but it was definitely a lucky move. When I saw the storm that was coming in in Dallas and NBA, it is a big showy time in the city. I also realized that not everybody can move around in the type of cars that I wanted to put out. So I took the actual size because the actual size. So I took the initiative and I went to all the enterprise locations and rented up every suburban and escalator that they had. By the way, y'all, this is pre-Uber, pre-Uber, pre-rideshare. Any of that. Uh, So I rented up all theirs, and then I started sending flyers to customers that I knew that had suburbans and escalators that I would rent their car, give me three three days, and I'd give them an amount. Well, I ended up putting out 74 vehicles just in SUVs because of the snowstorm. All the promoters, all the liquor companies and all that, getting people to the parties, they needed SUVs. I had rented everything from Enterprise, so you had to come to me. So that's what put me on the map initially because everybody heard you had to go to Platinum to get an SUV to move your celebrity around during the NBA All-Star. Well, then it was nice enough that the following year we had Super Bowl. Which was launched me into that in the same time during the thing. Which so was a disaster for everyone. Disaster else. for everyone. On else. top of that, too, I remember this vividly. The taxi cab company went on strike. Yes. And so if you're having a couple cocktails downtown waiting for Yellow Cab, it didn't happen. Exactly. So there was like six people. It was I forget the name of the company. It was I remember it was blue. It was a blue taxi. Mm-hmm. Um, so you probably cashed out when everyone else was getting just murdered. Because you're the only right, in, you're literally the only right in town. Exactly, and then you know we had that worst or snowstorm again. So those two incidents, uh, I think, I put me up on the map as far as a luxury provider uh, for just hiring clientele. What was your background before the car industry? Like, how, That's funny. I mean, obviously, you've, you've kind of had you're like a walking book, right? Just the stuff that you've shared with me. I'm like, you got to be kidding me, right? And the common theme is you figured it out. You graduated from whatever that was you were doing, and now you've kind of again become a an icon, but what was the background in business that gave you such an incredible savvy to, to navigate, you know, or really, you all that aren't familiar with Dallas, I, I consider it to be one of, if not the most competitive business environment in the country. Yes. And I think you got New York, you got LA, you got Chicago, but the thing about Dallas is I don't think anybody can ever really put their finger on what's going to win. But, you know, people like you and hopefully me, we found our ways to stay relevant when waves of people come here thinking they're going to just buy their way to success and it's not necessarily the truth but what, what was the background uh you know honestly Rodgers, i had no background in, in in luxury automotive but years ago when i first got with the wifey i told her you know i want to figure out a way we can drive nice cars and i don't have to pay for them so that was my hustle without then. stealing them yeah without stealing them yeah. as well uh so that was my hustle thought then but i think really the change was i saw people were moving away from what they were paying for limousines back then and i believe they well, paid what, what were you doing like, what, what? uh so it, it was funny so i couldn't stand to work for anybody back then so i had my own little clientele limousine service but i didn't own a limousine so every time i'd get a call i'd call up a couple of limousine companies that i was working with i'd pay them for their limo and then go take my client out pay them for the limo, make my cut on top. So I was always double the price because I would make the, the, the good sounding where well, you're going to get the owner driving you tonight. So I was always higher than every other limo company. But when you hear that in the voice and you hear that in the sales pitch, yeah, that sounds like a, re- a reasonable deal to go with. An experience. Yes, sir. Yeah, yes, sir. The experience is double the cost of what it'd be, but you have, you give, you get your sound people the experience. Yes, sir. And that's, that's, again, that's part of your brand is they know. And I'll, 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 as a client and as a friend of Benny, I'll tell you that it's worth it, but that's, that's not necessarily a whole battle for people like you, which is such a unique, it's a unique 
you know, it's it's unique. It's, it's and normal. it's what a lot of people don't realize, and this is where as an entrepreneur, you have to be resilient in what you want your brand to be. Because as my brand was ascending, I started getting other competitors. Uh, at the time when I, before COVID, I'd had nine competitors come in the market and go out of business. So nine, nine. you want competition because yeah. uh, competition, it keeps you on your toes. And a lot of people don't realize that, that, you know, once you think you're good and you're going down, you know, going down the track, there's someone coming after you yeah. and you got to always be looking over your shoulder to see yeah. what everybody else is doing. Now, a couple of points in time in my, uh, journey through, I always felt, well, that's a fly. I'm not going to worry about what flies are doing. Uh, but you also can't dismiss everybody that's also could be a competitor. Yeah. I've done that on a couple of occasions uh, to where, in my opinion, I feel like I got caught, then got surpassed uh, as far as mind share in the rental. Uh, but then through poor management, you know, that company failed. Mind share. Uh, Let's talk. What is mind share? I like that. I always had this thing to where when you say a certain product, the first name that pops up in your head, that's who has mind share in, in, in that space. Is that a Benny-ism? Uh, I'd like to adapt it, but I can't. Okay. I can't. I took that from somebody else that I was reading on, Robert Maxwell, as a matter of fact. Okay. Uh, and that's what he always said. When you're building your brand, you got to see where you want to be in people's mind share. At that time when I was starting mine, when you thought of luxury rentals, Benny Black. Yeah. Not just Benny. Benny Black, because I wanted people to know the whole name meant that. And it just always rolled off people a whole lot easier. So that's what I always try to capture was that mind share uh, for luxury rentals. That's so smart. So here's a here's a loaded question. Okay. I know we got a thousand stories going at once. You're not necessarily just in the luxury car rental business anymore. So how do you go as someone who's done this for you know half your life? And you've drilled, it's like me with real estate. Yes. I don't just do real estate. I don't want people to just think of me as real estate. I don't want to die a real estate person. Right. And so, I mean, I'm going to die a real estate person. I'm saying <laughs> being a husband, a father, and a Christian is way more important than mm -hmm. being a real estate entrepreneur. But like like you, I've drilled into their skull for two decades. So how do I go and maybe edit the mindshare? What, what was your idea with that? Knowing that, again, we're going to get there. But going from dominating the luxury car rental business, 2020 hits. Nobody's Boom. driving anywhere. Nobody's Boom. flying anywhere. No one's buying luxury real estate. Nobody's renting luxury cars. So you immediately pivot mm -hmm. into the Sprinter business, which we're going to get to. But what was the mindshare approach where you had to go and now essentially uneducate and untrain your people to not think of you in one thing, but to think of you in an additional realm as well? Great question. So I consider what happened in COVID, what happened during COVID time was a reset button for a lot of entrepreneurs. Um, it gave people a chance to, in my opinion, stop, think, reset your whole plan of what you're going to do. Because when that hit, everybody, it hit everybody different. I was hit double time with it. Uh, what a lot of people d don't remember was December 19. No, I'm sorry. October 19 uh, was when we had the big tornado right down the middle of Dallas. So that tornado went right through my driveway, which destroyed my building and business. And that was going into October. By and the then, way, let's talk about one of the smartest marketing moves of all time. Where was your business located, please? Uh, right on 75. Directly right there next the, to? Land Rover. <laughs> <laughs> so, so people that were going to look at 
$150,000 SUVs might have been distracted as they were pulling in because there was a shiny Ferrari, Lamborghini, exactly. or Bentley. What's that? That's not Range Rover. <laughs> Directly next door. Anyway, sorry. That's okay, because that was also a, a great move when Land Rover came up over there, because it did. I shared a lot of customers with them, yeah. because you're going to go back and forth. But during that time in October, I had just formed a partnership uh, with a couple of boys out of Fort Worth, Ryan Hayes. And we were going to start building and selling luxury sprinters. Well, that's this is pre-COVID. Pre-COVID. This is pre-trend. like trend. This is not thinking no people trend, are going to want to grow nothing. their family and travel. This is literally, like again, this yeah. is it's kismet. right? Just it's, adding on to what we were like, okay, they're already renting cars. Well, let's just add luxury sprinters, sell those. Will you tell so, us what a sprinter is? If we're yeah. So the big Mercedes, uh, Mercedes vans that you see, the Amazon vans, well, those are the plain Jane version. So we're building luxury jet sprinters out at Iconic in Fort Worth. And basically, those are the vans that you're seeing the celebrities get and climb out of, uh, all the red carpet people, stuff like that. Uh, there's about 25, 30 different conversion builders, and we're one of the three here in Texas now. Wow. So just think of Kardashians when they travel. There you go. That's what they're in. Just, there you let's, go. Let's bring it to, let's make it bring easy. Bring it right there to easy yeah. people to understand. So when that tornado hit in October, I had already formed that partnership. We got hit a little bit, lost some cars, but then nobody could move because they shut down everything. So you couldn't even rent cars. Well, in my started thinking, got lucky, three clients called and said, hey, I can't dr drive a car, but I've got another house I can get to that we want to do our COVID there. I need a sprinter. Wait, hold on. I want to make sure we're... So I, I was, I was, my mind was lost in the tornado story. Mm -hmm. So again, 2020 hits mm -hmm. and you're already in the sprinter business. Mm -hmm. You're obviously still in the luxury rental car business as well. March. Yes. Was it just a holy crap, what am I going to do? Or was it holy crap, let's go. We have an opportunity. Uh, holy crap, let's go opportunity. Because everybody slowed down in January when we first got the hit of it. I was like, ooh, we got a COVID. And then they shut us down in March. Well, during January, February, remember, there were certain areas where you, if you were in certain industries, you could still go back and forth to the office. Essential, essential uh, essential workers. Exactly. Which, believe it or not, realtors were considered essential. See, I love that. I think it was comical. It, it, it's cute because, I mean, how essential can you be because you can't go show a house. Yeah. But, hey, yeah, uh, manufacturing got part of that. So we were able to go in and still putting our plans together and blueprints on what we're doing on building these uh, sprinters. Well, three of my customers called in the 1st of March and said, hey, we want to move to you know our different houses. We need a sprinter. So I sold they my wanted to rent one. No, they wanted to buy, Here we go. which is where I was like, oh, wait a minute. So in that first month of March, I sold four. Hmm. And that was just clients that I already had as clientele. So then the quickest thing that we did, Enterprise, Hertz, and everybody was sh shelling out, selling their cars. We did the same thing. Unloaded every exotic that I had and bought Sprinters. So at that same time, going into March, April, May, then you got rental season coming along. Well, now people start to move a lot more just in sprinters because you can move in your family units. Rental season, not for exotic cars. Not rental season for sprinters. For sprinters. So like the mind, with mind space, what's the term? Mind space? Uh, yes. So, um, but even with that, like what was the way that you had to go and now most part online on the phone because there are not networking events in exactly. March of 2020 where people like you, that's where you shine. That's the rare air. But how do you go do that? with a book of business where people know you as Benny Black, exotic rental car guy, and all of a sudden you're like, holy shit, it's now Benny Black, exotic car rental, but also Benny Black, 
luxury sprinter sales. Yes, sir. What, what, what did that look like? What was the the strategy to do that essentially overnight? So what was fun is they were, people always knew me on the rental. And when you got football season, you know, you're putting tailgating, you're showing sprinters, you're showing the group going to that. Again, social media. You've got to be active on social media. Yeah. I was able to kind of bring those two or those two together because I'm showing different videos of people picking up sprinters, people enjoying their tailgating and that type of experience. So putting that together is easy to start doing videos because when you open the door to the sprinter and it looks like the inside of a Bentley, it kind of starts flowing together because it's the same customer looking at it, but then realizing, oh, I can get that and move my whole family or my whole group and not be stuck here in one spot. Did you market how much they cost? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I had to because I had to make them realize, no, this ain't the Chevy Explorer van. The Mercedes Jet Sprinter. What's the entry level for a Sprinter? What was it two years ago? Or two years ago, this is what's amazing, and people got to go fast. Two years ago, you had 150000 Just out the gate. Just out the gate. Well, that, now, that's without exhibit coming over there and pimping it. Exactly. Yeah, not yeah. even them redoing it yeah. uh, and, and the bad boys at 310, nothing like that. Now, you're on an average of 180. And they're, they're, they're not dropping anytime soon because the market for them being able to move groups or just families, uh, it's still heavy. The RV industry overall is up still about 37% year to year over the last three years. So it, I was thankful that at that time I could put the luxury in there with it. But now my pivot is instead of in the rental, you're chasing a customer and when you run out of customers because of COVID, you start thinking, okay, well, what am I going to do? How am I going to rechange and what I've got to do? So we had to start thinking differently. Okay, how can we create buckets to where when you have another hit like COVID does, you can still be resilient and keep things going and moving throughout your household? Well, what we realized with the Sprinter business, everybody wants a Sprinter, but not everybody can afford it. But on the luxury side, if you have dealers that are also selling the Sprinters for you, that's really the bucket you want to be in because you're, they always have customers. You don't have to chase the customer. Now we're switching to business to business sales because in that way I can just basically just go out and send out orders, make sure they still enjoy my product, but I control the product from beginning to end now in manufacturing. Um, so I heard something a long time ago that said the perfect, uh, the ideal job or the ideal uh, company to own is one without inventory and without employees. And it sounds like you're kind of going down that path. Do you, yeah. Um, as someone who I'm a deal guy and I, I like deals, uh, but it gets it gets exhausting trying to manage that. And I'm really yeah. clinging more towards being a CEO versus just a lead generator. But do, do you miss you know knowing that maybe at our phase in our career the peacock you know door opening phase might be a thing of the past? Is that hard to to capture? Because for, for y'all that are like that, I mean, it, it's a rush. And, and walking into a place and meeting somebody and actually making a real connection, it's a drug. Oh, it's a huge drug. It, it, and, but, like, I tell you what, eventually you look back, you're like, holy crap. Like, it's exhausting. It's and work. people challenge your sincerity. And then, again, like, it's been such a pleasant surprise being friends with you is that you're you're real. But a lot of people aren't. Yes. And then you start to see the other side of it where you walk in a room and you're like, oh, my God, these people are just, they're tryhards. And... They're going to go home. They live with their parents, yeah. and they rented a car from Benny. <laughs> um, but but was that was that a hard thing to kind of grasp when you knew that you were better at something from a business perspective? It was going to make you more money, give you mm -hmm. more sustainability. But 
what got you there maybe isn't what's going to get you to the next level. Man, you, you're hitting it on the point, especially at our age, Rogers, because you look at what got you to where you are now and you're at that sustaining or maintenance level, as I like to call it. Well, you always want to continue to try to gain. You don't want to lose traction because if you're not growing, you're just you're, you're just sitting there going stale. And that's that's never good. Uh, missing the getting out there and peacocking. I do, uh, because, as you said, it's a rush. And if you're good at it and you enjoy taking over rooms, it's just a good feeling coming out of there and you go into the next day feeling more confident. But now, as you said, when you've changed up to how you're doing business, you want to create more time and you want to try to get a, a, a better balance in your family, then, yeah, you, you, you have to change up in how you continue to go after it. But you got to still keep going after it. Yeah, you, you got to find yourself. Like you I, still got to hit that McDonald's. up. McDonald's. <laughs> I want to go inside and eat. I don't want to go through the drive through because there might be somebody that wants a dip cone as well. It's like... But it, it, it's crazy. Like you, 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 but again, at the root of it, it's just that you care. Yes. Right. And I think that's what people don't understand with networking is if you can't, you're not faking it. Mm -hmm. Right. And I'm not faking it. And that was the hardest thing for me with COVID is that Abby and I would go on walks and I was like, we have to go at peak walk time so I can talk to someone across the there street because I wasn't getting my fix of being social. Yeah. Right. And then I think again, with COVID, it brought it back down to where I actually wanted to say hi to people because I just wanted to say hi to them mm -hmm. versus like, what can you do for me? What can I do for you? And you know, it, it's it's interesting when people like you go and essentially insulate yourself from the masses. Right. But maybe that's been the best business thing you could do because it's given you a different um, way to go and generate income without the fluff. Exactly. And I think when you're chasing people that are spending money on stuff that essentially is, it's a, a costume. Mm -hmm. Right. That gets hard too. Yes. Especially in Dallas where we talked about the $30,000 millionaires, these people that you know are just faking it. It's really, really tiring. And, it, and it, it changes so fast. Yeah. It changes so fast. And then when you've got to change in your life as well, uh, it's hard to want to go back to just and see what they're doing out there. Yeah. So that's where, I mean, even the way that you're doing now, what I saw how fast you changed on your marketing was when everybody's stuck inside, you're bringing on more agents. Yeah. Well, that's one of the smarter moves you can have out there at the real estate agent because even that time when we had that first crash, everybody's sitting back all good, high on the money and high on the hog until it stops. Yeah. Well, you still got to pay those fees yeah. as a broker guy. Yeah. So you've got to keep people out there. Yours is definitely tougher because you've got to keep people motivated in selling. Yours is it, it's a big time product. Yeah. It's a, it's a way big time product. And I know everybody says, oh, there's so many real estate. Yeah, but there's not so many real estate sellers. Yeah. It's, it, 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 there's a difference. No, which goes back to the conversation we were having before we got in here. You know, there's a, a saying that like people, pe realtors that travel to speak that, you know, the common thread is they're not mayors in their own hometown, which means they don't sell a damn thing. See, you know, and I think that in the business of luxury, however you define it, whether it's a price point, a lifestyle, a look whatever it is, rarely are there people that are actually masters of their craft that are sharing their wisdom. And I think that's what, it's a struggle for me with real estate. I'm sure it is with you with the car business yes. and the motor, motor car, motors, whatever, sprinter business is that there's people literally giving false information online. Mm -hmm. And instead of commenting and being like, hey, moron, this is not true. It's like, just stay the course. Leave it alone. The right people are going to find you. And I think that's what peacocking has kind of evolved to is that Benny can be a big, loud personality and wear bright clothes, but he's right. Yes. And I think that people appreciate that online, which hits a different audience. But maybe as far as mastering networking 2.0 with you, what, what's your, what would be your suggestions, your top five, your top three for online networking, which is a less intimate version of shaking a hand, giving someone a hug and admiring your shoes, whatever it is. 
How do you do that online? Uh, one of the biggest things, active being active is definitely tough because there's so many platforms. And what I'm still slowly learning is where to use or show different things a platform. Right now, I think everybody has their opinion of where they're the best at. Right now, mine's Instagram still. Because uh, Instagram's still a video photo, photo type of place. Moving a little bit more into TikTok, I dabble on LinkedIn, uh, which will change more as I get bigger into the sprinter world. Biggest mistake I ever made with networking Talk in my entire me. life was I did not leverage LinkedIn until COVID. See? Not but, kidding. But now you're king. I mean, not that, but it's just like I don't care. And I was so concerned that LinkedIn was like Facebook for suits. And that was the easiest disruption ever because I was like, all right, I'll be myself on LinkedIn. And everyone's like, that's fantastic. I was like, yeah, where's all the love on Instagram? There it's it just, is. So anyway. But, you, but the, you, you hit it on the key. You you have to find your platform where you can be yourself. Yeah. Uh, yours is great on LinkedIn. I see all your stuff on LinkedIn. And you have a lot of followers on LinkedIn. It's the same thing I put on Instagram, TikTok, and but Facebook. But the engagement is It's not the same. Exactly. Yeah. They feel more from you on LinkedIn. Now, mine, mine's Instagram. Yeah. Uh, my videos, I show my little moving around, a few little cars here, and everybody has to use their platform the way if their mindset is right, the way it's most effective for them to market. Now, if you're just a selfie person, be a selfie person. Okay. <laughs> I just don't know what you're doing with that. Yeah. Uh, you're, it's, it's, a, it's a mask. Because, yes, yeah. ex exactly. Nobody loves me. Here's my selfie. <laughs> here I am, Freddie, yeah. that day. Uh, but you've got to have a little mix because you've got to show people uh, a little bit about you, but if you're trying to market, you've got to show them what you're marketing. Yeah, that's the key. Uh, and then speak a little bit, a little bit of wisdom. I'm not much into the great proverbs, but if it's something that I'm doing, I'll share it out there with you and say, "Hey, I'm doing it. What are you doing?" Uh, okay, so um, again, there's so many different things that you're a master of, but I would call you the networking ninja. And, and people that are paying attention to this today. Whether it's online, in person, the Batman-Robin approach, whatever, mm -hmm. what would be your top five networking tips? Uh, say your whole name. Don't just say your first name. It's too easy to forget somebody's first name. I love name. that he started with that. Yes. I love that he started with something that it's just an actual, it's a black and white, that's it. Too easy. Say your whole name, number one. Number, number one. Two. Number two, put a smile behind it. Hmm. Uh, if you don't quite have that smile, work a grin in or something because it makes people feel more warming uh, if you smile. By the way, even if it's on the phone. Yes. And people will be able to tell by the tone of your voice if you're actually going to go and want to talk to them or not. But a smile changes. So number one, your full name. Mm -hmm. Number two, smile. smile. Number, uh, three. number three. My top number three. Figure out a way you can remember somebody else's name. So hard. It's so hard. Dude. But people so love... Hard. People love hearing their name. Just, okay, perfect. I love hearing myself talk. But if you're talking to somebody and you continue to say their name, you can watch them if they're tense and they just, they like, everybody likes hearing their name. What's the secret? Do you have a secret? Uh, really on mine, once I hear somebody, try to say it at least three more times during that sentence, during that time that you're so that's right there with it. a tangible takeaway. Number one, say your full name. Number mm -hmm. two, smile. Number three, when you meet somebody new, say their name three times. At least three out times. Out loud while you're talking to them. Is Figure it out to put Black, it in there. Many, I mean, is it like well, a, see, now that's the funny part. That's the weird part because with mine, I throw my whole name out there. So I'm throwing you off. But if you've got somebody that you're trying to remember and his name is Tim, well, Tim, where did you uh, spend the... Okay, Tim, you said you were where last night? Well, keep... Because that may be your way to try People to remember Tim. People are going to meet Benny and they're going to be like, don't say my name three times. 
dude. But it's but it's so genuine. That's the thing that that I love so much about you is like it's because you care. Yes. And it's not. It's a game, but it's not. But you're not doing it so you can move on to the next person. It's like you really want to learn Tim's name. Exactly. Say your full name. Smile. Say their name three times. Number four. <laughs> Last thing. I always. No, like we're gonna to, do five. Oh, we're doing five. We number might do four. ten. Woo. Number four. I like a good handshake. I like a good handshake. Uh, I'm even if it's a woman. Every woman should be able to walk and grab a hand and like, hey, how you doing? I teach my daughters that. I tell my wife, oh, don't give me a flimsy. Don't give me the flat fish. Especially if you're a man. Don't flat fish me, bro. Now, I know right now everybody's on fist bump. I'm good with fist bump. But, you know, a flimsy handshake. That, what if uh, it's like a flimsy fist bump? What if it's just like? Well, it depends on if, if did, I, did we click watches or <laughs> I, I mean, what are we doing? But we got to be more aggressive with it because that, that that lets you know you really want to meet somebody. Yeah. You know. Now again, COVID's changed that up. Everybody's on fist bump. I still like the handshakes too. Yeah. You know, just you know, carry your little little sanitizer and keep it moving. Number five. Number five. What would be my number five? Always lead them with wanting more of you. That's my fifth. I love it. Don't hang at the place too long. Walk through, see the room, grab your stuff, and then burn out. <laughs> Jet out. You don't need to say bye to nobody. Hey, good to see you. No. That's how I met him. Burn is it. I literally I followed him out. We were at some event, and you could tell it was like peak hour, and he left. I was like, all right. And he, he were at Jackson. Yes. I was like, I'm following this guy yeah. out. And I, and I also met my friend Asad the same night, who um, has become just a dear friend, too. But I remember in the valet line, I was like, why are you leaving? He's like, it was time to go. <laughs> it was time to go. Seinfeld, you know, he, he stopped at the peak. And Michael yeah. Jordan should have. Should have. Yes, kept it going. Can yeah. we have a bonus? Can we have a number six? Oh, boy, I can't. I don't know if I got a bonus. What would be my bonus? Come on. Number I'll, I'll, I'll remind you. Number yeah, one, give me a refresh, say like your full Jeffrey. name. Mm -hmm. Number two, smile. Number three, say their name three times to remember it. Number four, what was number four? Um, oh, my gosh. Grab their hand. Gra uh, number four was a real handshake. Number five was, you know, make them fall in love with you and then, and then exit Houdini. Number six. Leave them wanting more. It's my last one. Number six bonus. Number six bonus. Maybe talk about the, the you said dress to like you're a magnet with your outfit. I mean, obviously, the, the whole peacock thing what? yes uh see and that's a tough one because that depends on that person's personality you know you and i can pull off loud colors not everybody can uh i've got a lot of friends now so i i've you know over the age i've dorn the hat now uh not everybody can pull off the big brim hat <laughs> i've seen some cats like bro your head's way too small for that hat way too small uh so but i guess my bonus would be if if you're a dresser own the room when you come in there. Yeah. Come in there confident, because that's one thing I like to do with, with the hat now. It's what I've noticed. A lot of the older guys are pulling off the hats. And you can always see it, because when you walk in the room. <laughs> <laughs> when you walk in the room, because you'll see a man with a hat, and then he'll see a hat. Well, if he's proud of his, oh, he'll sit upright. Yeah. But if he's not, he's like, ooh, his hat's better than yeah. mine. And, you know, then I'm really going, hey, how you doing? Yeah. I'm going to let you see mine up close. So if you've got, that'd be my, mine. If you have something over somebody when you're walking on the room, give them a little acknowledgement, and, you know, and, let and them and know. side note to that, once you decide to wear something loud once, you have to stay with wearing the loud You clothes. cannot go back. You can't, I'll never forget the first time I wore a, a bright blue blazer. Everyone's like, are you sure? I was like, yeah. I was like, and I was like, that was easy. I want yeah. orange and yellow. Yeah. And then they kind of Bro, you got it. your plum. You've got lavender. Yeah. I've seen your pinks. But, yeah, but it makes me, but it, 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 it forces me to be me yes and i feel like it's really easy like my, one of my favorite celebrities is adam sandler because mm -hmm. he wears whatever the hell he wants mm -hmm. and a part of me is like that's really smart but i think that messes with your head 
where you become kind of mentally and socially lazy. But if I'm dressed Ooh. in a suit and if I have a bright color on, I have to earn the fact that I can wear that that suit. I love that. It brings out your personality. Uh, Are you going to give us a number seven now? I don't know if I can do a seven. I think you just gave us seven. Uh, your dressing brings out your personality. You've yeah. hit it right. I know it's on Sundays. Game day for me. I'm in sweat, cut off sweats, flip flops, and a t-shirt. And I just feel just, but I'm just moving through like that. But come Monday, I love kicking in the door dressing, you know, whichever <laughs> the situation is and saying, hey, let's wake up, people. Do you have any neutral clothing? My Sundays, okay. you, but you want you'll see me at the Tom Thumb, and then I'm I'm boogieing right on out. So <laughs> it's not it's not going to be uh, recharging your battery. <laughs> it won't be in the streets that you'll see my neutral color. Have you ever been overseas? Well, what do you consider overseas? Like, the big like, pond? No, yeah, like Europe. No, um, not yet. So you would. I, I went to Sweden one time a long time ago, and I remember I, I love. I was wearing bright orange, and it wasn't because I was. I just was comfortable. Yes. And I got there, and everyone was blonde. And they were all in grays and blacks. And they thought I was a freak. And a, a few people got photos with me. I was like, really? I was like, Godzilla? Like, no, where did you get your clothes? And I was like, Amazon? But it was just the fact that I was dressing like that. And 6'4", bro. Helps. Yeah, yeah, 6'5". Yeah. Oh, my um, bad. I cut him short. That's yeah, my bad. No, but but yeah. Um, okay, so uh, as far as how we can support you, like obviously the black and white. If people want to buy a Sprinter van, this is the guy. Where do we go to buy a Sprinter van? Uh, Instagram, Iconic Sprinters. LinkedIn, Iconic Sprinters. And Facebook. Facebook, Iconic Sprinters. Website? But website, www.iconicsprinters.com. But the easiest way, Benny Black, Platinum Dallas is on Instagram, on Facebook. I love people that's interacting, especially on photos on Instagram. So just come holler at your boy. I like it. And what's your, what's your life advice? The one thing that you want people to take away from you, the man, the father, the husband, the believer, the genuinely authentic peacock, what's the advice? If you have your significant other, communication is the biggest key. Mm. I've been with my wife now, 23. We, we just passed Deuce Deuce, as I called it. We'll be 23 this year. She's been my biggest supporter. But as any man knows, when you come home from a hard day and somebody can just be there to listen to you and not just in your ear, but just support you, there's nothing like getting out there and getting it the next day because, you know, she's got you to come back home to. I'll tell you what, man. That's why I love you. You could have given us advice about business, about networking, about anything but you chose to go and give it about your most important person and yeah. that's your spouse uh last question when people talk about benny black in a hundred years what do you remember it as proud glad hander one more time a proud glad hander what the hell does that mean i learned that from our uh our mutual friend jason friedman uh he calls me a proud glad hander which means mm. i walk around shaking hands with everybody like a mayor mm. i love that that's a good person right there, y'all. And that's why I wanted you to be a part of this. This was um, this was special. My I'm man. so had, glad that we can actually share. We had you come speak to our office a decade ago. Yes. And it was one of the most special days I've had as a business owner. And now uh, we can go and give this to the masses. So thank you, the Networking Ninja, uh, for sharing all your successes. And when y'all want to buy a Sprinter van, you have one option now. Pretty much. And it's this guy. My man. Benny Black. Be sure to smile. Be sure to say their name three times. Be sure to leave them wanting more. Be sure to mm. give them a handshake. And be sure to own your brand. And that's what I've learned from you since day one. So thank you very much. My man. Enjoyed this, my friend. I'm Benny Black. And this is how you sell without selling out. Roger's that.